Chapter 15, Cold Tea 1055 Diana, sorry, but I won't be on for your morning. I'll be on later in your day, so we can talk then. 1056 Diana, in the meantime, please check your email. Have a lovely day Akko. Diana turned off mobile data on her phone and checked to make sure that it was on silent, before locking it and placing it on her bedside table. Despite her anticipation and the anxiety that it came with, she was determined not to check her messages until the morning. She wanted to watch Akko play the game that she made for her. She spent weeks making the game, slaving away, at the smallest detail, so that her creation could fulfill the experience that she had in her head. The feelings that Akko invoked in her. That's what Diana wanted to communicate through her art. Diana didn't know how she would feel if Akko didn't get it. Of course, she wouldn't blame Akko if that were the case. It was overly metaphorical. Self-indulgent, even. But it felt special. Because she made it for Akko. So the selfish part of Diana wanted Akko to receive what she was trying to communicate. But Diana wanted to give Akko space to play and digest her game. And while Akko would be doing that, Diana would be an anxious mess. And so with that, rather fragile, resolve, Diana pulled the covers over herself and rested her head on her soft pillow. In the hours that it took for Diana to fall asleep, hundreds, if not thousands, of thoughts swam through her head, keeping her mind restless and her body filled with adrenaline even as her soul longed for slumber. When Diana woke up, she felt awake. Not well rested, but simply awake, as though there was a pressing matter that she needed to tend to. She couldn't quite remember what she had dreamt about in the five or so hours in which she had slept, but it probably had Akko in it. And maybe a setting with water. Diana reached for her phone. Immediately after unlocking, she switched on her mobile data and tapped on her messaging app. In the fraction of a second that it took for the app to load, Diana felt a surge of anticipation that washed away all remnants of sleep. Her eyes quickly flickered to the most recent message, only to see. 10.56 Diana, in the meantime, please check your email. Have a lovely day Akko. Nothing. No new messages from Akko. This was strange. Very strange. Akko left Diana on scene. Akko would never leave anyone on scene if she could help it. She was the kind of girl who would respond to literally anything, even if she didn't understand anything about what she was responding to, which was exactly how she got roped into student politics at one point. Akko apparently happily campaigned for them anyway, because they promised to lobby the university, to lobby the transportation minister, to grant international students transport concessions. So naturally, Diana began to grow worried. The logic is that if Akko could respond, then she would have. But since she didn't, then that could only mean that Akko couldn't respond. But why couldn't Akko respond? Did something happen to her? Akko hadn't even been online since she read my message. Diana's mind jumped to the most extreme of conclusions, and in turn, so did her heart. I need to calm down, she thought. 
There are many plausible reasons for why Akko might not have messaged me. Perhaps Akko didn't get a chance to play Diana's game. Perhaps a power outage happened in Akko's neighborhood and her phone died. Or maybe Akko got lost in the environment that she had created and was refusing to get back to Diana without finishing the game. I supposed I can do nothing but wait, Diana thought with a sigh. She placed her phone back on the bedside table and got up. The trembling of her fingers wasn't due to the cold. She hoped that the mundane routine of making her bed and washing her face would quell the nervousness she felt. It didn't. Diana decided on a piece of fruit and some tea as breakfast. Given the adrenaline coursing through her system, she didn't want to be sick. Soon after, she took her laptop and bag and headed towards the office that she had been provided for her vacation research. Thankfully, Diana was able to distract herself by engaging in her usual work, which had been mostly writing and revising the research manuscript under Croy's supervision. It was normal for Croy to leave hundreds of comments on the drafts. But at least once every half an hour, Diana would check her phone for messages. Or, at this point, for any trace of Akko's digital heartbeat. But whatever anticipation Diana felt when she picked up her phone was always replaced by a feeling of disappointment and worry by the time she placed it back down. It was like that for the rest of the day. By the time Diana returned to her flat, the sun had long since set. She was hungry, but she wasn't in the mood to prepare a well-rounded and fulfilling meal. So, once again, she settled for pieces of fruit and tea. After finishing her meal that didn't really qualify as dinner by anyone's standards, she took a hot shower, during which she had decided that enough was enough. She would finally send Akko another message. When she returned to her room, she sat on her chair for a good five minutes before she decided on a sentence to send. 809 Diana, please let me know if you receive this message. I need to know that you're all right. Too solemn. Probably. But it would do. Diana was indeed feeling rather solemn about suddenly losing contact with Akko, so she felt that she needed to communicate it. Surely, once Akko sees that Diana was worried, she'd definitely respond, right? While waiting, Diana flicked open her laptop. She navigated to the folder where she saved all the photos that Akko sent her. She browsed through them, from photos of Akko's journey on the plane to Kyoto, where she concerningly had a can of kirin and a cup of black coffee on her tray at the same time, to the busy streets of Kyoto, to beautiful parks and reserves and shrines, to the many photos of Kama River that Akko would send, to the dozens and dozens of adorable selfies, to that one quirky little bar that Akko went to, and much more. Diana found herself smiling and chuckling at the photos. God, I wish I was there with her, Diana thought as she daydreamed about being with Akko in all of the photos. Maybe for our first trip, no that wouldn't do. We ought to go somewhere where neither of us have been before. It should be an adventure for both of us. Diana liked that. The thought of experiencing new things with Akko. She wasn't really one for uncertainty, but somehow, it felt right to walk into uncertainty with Akko. Because with Akko, there would be opportunities for beautiful memories. When Diana reached the end of the photos, 
She felt as though she had woken from a blissful dream. She felt dread as she checked her phone for the umpteenth time that day. And to her displeasure and worry, she had been proven right yet again. No new messages from Akko. With a sigh, Diana decided to boot up the game that she and Akko made and launch her Spotify on Shuffle. It was a strangely therapeutic way of passing the time, so she could subdue her anxiety, at least a little, before she would turn in for the night. The quicker that time passed, the sooner that Diana would get to talk to Akko once again. The Diana of the old really didn't give the fun factor of games enough credit. She owed Akko for this one. Before she went to bed, she sent another message. 10.23 Diana, I really need to hear that you're okay. Diana didn't receive any new messages by the time she got up the next morning. Whatever had happened to Akko, it most definitely hadn't been planned, because she would have told Diana if that was the case. But then again, what part of Akko's life was planned? Nevertheless, it was highly unusual, and even more concerning. Diana couldn't call Akko's parents, because she didn't have their contacts. That one time, she spoke to them was through Akko's phone. Should I call the Kyoto police? Diana pondered rather seriously. She wasn't exactly sure how she would do so. Should she call the local Kyoto police, or the so-called Kyoto prefectural headquarters that she found on Google? The latter, of course, because Akko had never told Diana the exact part of Kyoto that her family lived in. And what would she even say? Hello, there is a girl by the name of Otsuko Kagari, who is missing in Kyoto, Diana would say. How do you know she's missing, the operator would ask. Because she isn't responding to my messages, of course. Diana would say in exasperation, as if it was the most obvious thing in the world. Diana imagined that the operator would promptly hang up on her, and maybe complain to their co-worker over in the neighboring cubicle that some foreigner was wasting their time. Diana rested her head in her hands. She was frustrated at not being able to do anything about her worrying over Akko. Without evidence that Akko was in some sort of distress, the only thing that Diana could do was to go about her day, as if she wasn't plagued by frantic concern. Her morning research session had been horrendously unproductive. The words in the academic manuscripts just simply weren't going into her head. And she had a backlog of hundreds of papers to go through as literature review for their own manuscript that Croy told her to go over and summarize in an email sent at 3 a.m. in the morning. And how the bloody hell was that woman even functioning given her inhuman sleeping schedule? Diana had noticed rather early on that it wasn't rare for Croy to send emails in the early hours of the morning. When Diana had asked her about it, Croy explained that she slept only five hours a day, from 10 p.m. to 12 a.m., then 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. It was a schedule that the world-class academic had adopted in her late teens to maximize her productivity every day. Sleeping is nothing but practice for death, Croy had once said rather dismissively when Diana mentioned that not having regular long and contiguous hours of sleep is a risk factor for various health problems. So what's the point of living a long life? if I spent a third of it playing dead anyway. Diana couldn't help, but admit that there was a mathematical point there, 
however incomplete it was. Croy had also added that not being 100% awake had an effect that was akin to being slightly buzzed all the time, which helped with dealing with imbecilic twerps masquerading as academics. Yet, as Diana had no more than six hours of sleep for the previous nights, she couldn't help but feel that Croy was wrong. Diana could barely focus on the world around her. Her fabled capacity to consume large amounts of knowledge was severely handicapped. Her hands shook slightly. And worst of all, the combination of her worries over Akko and her restlessness only served to make her even more agitated. She had half a mind to snap at some student who had accidentally dropped their pen in the hallway outside of her designated office. Diana knew what being slightly buzzed felt like, and this most definitely wasn't it. Although maybe it had to do with the fact that her anxiety had robbed her of a good rest even when she had been asleep. When Diana had woken up earlier that morning, she didn't even feel like she had slept at all. The sandwich that she bought for lunch barely went down. Every swallow had been a chore that threatened to undo her efforts of making sure that her stomach wasn't empty. Diana had eventually stopped checking her phone every half an hour. It was futile. Against her wishes, the pattern recurred. Diana knew enough about statistics to know that if there were no new messages from Akko in all of the instances that she had checked her phone over the past day and a half, then her null hypothesis that Akko had the means and the desire to communicate with her is statistically inconsistent with the observations and therefore should be rejected in favor of its negation. That either Akko didn't have the means to message back or didn't want to. Diana didn't know which would be worse. She entertained both contingencies during her afternoon in lieu of giving the papers on her laptop screen the full attention that a rising star of an academic such as herself should. When Diana returned to her flat and saw that the round clock hanging on the wall of the living room read a quarter past five, she found it surprising that she couldn't remember what she did that day when she took a moment to try. Diana felt drained. The source of her exhaustion stemmed largely from being worried for every conscious and unconscious second of her day. It was unsustainable. So naturally, when she walked into her room, Diana collapsed onto her bed and her world blacked out. Her body rested, but her exhaustion was deeper. Her very soul was tired. As the overstressed neurons in her brain fired bioelectrical signals like a faulty power line that couldn't stop sparking, her mind conjured stressful illusions that robbed her of any real reprieve. Scenes of Diana chasing a brunette blur that seemed to be ever so out of reach, no matter how hard she pumped her legs. Images of her running away from a shadow that grew closer and larger and eventually engulfed not only herself, but the entire world. Visions of that shadow consuming a brunette girl that couldn't hear Diana's soundless screams. Over and over, she was thrown into situations where she had no control. And this was Diana Cavendish, who was the very personification of lifelong planning. As she transitioned from one stressful situation to the next, she heard a faint echo. Echoes that came in threes. At first it was a whisper of a thunder that reverberated in the world that Diana's mind had constructed for herself. But it repeated incessantly, becoming louder and louder. Each time, the sounds lost a little of their echo. 
their formlessness faded gradually into comprehension. It sounded like a wooden object being struck with a hard instrument. It was the last thing Diana heard before she woke up. What a strange sound. She could still hear its remnants in her mind from the instance before she opened her eyes. Diana had experienced head-exploding syndrome before, but that had just been an impossibly loud metallic bang that rang through her head and woke her up abruptly, leaving her in a state of panic. But whatever repeating noise she heard before waking up didn't even remotely resemble that. She heard it. And it was outside of her dreams this time. Knocking. Someone was knocking on her door. Frantically, and rather hard too, by the sounds of it. As Diana fell asleep wearing her turtleneck and grey trousers, she had a small reprieve in the form of the convenience that came with simply getting up from her bed and walking to the door. Naturally, Diana had been a little wary, since no one would knock on her door before at least texting her. Her heart stopped, before pumping rapidly, as she peeked through the tiny glass on the door. Old jeans. Red jumper. Orange windbreaker. Face that looked a little pale from the cold. Red eyes that seemed to be impatient and jittery. Ayako. Diana whispered to no one but herself. She couldn't believe it. It seemed too much like the daydreams that she had every day. Perhaps Diana was still on her bed, still asleep, and this was just a good dream at the end of a string of awful ones. Otsuko Kagari. The girl Diana cared about the most. The girl who should have been on the other side of the world. The girl who Diana had been worried about for the last two days, because she hadn't heard from her and the thought that either Akko had stopped liking her, or if something had happened to Akko was too much an. Diana opened the door to Akko, nearly knocking her fists on her forehead. Her red eyes widened with recognition, as she saw Diana looking back at her with about as much astonishment. D. Diana. Akko stuttered. I'm kinda surprised you opened the door. Diana gave Akko a look that expressed her incredulity at that statement. You're surprised. I'm sorry Akko, but I don't believe your surprise is even a fraction of mine at the fact that you're standing here and not in Kyoto, she spoke at a pace that almost matched how fast her heart race. Yeah. Aya, uh, kinda flew here on a whim. Akko's voice became more and more unsure as that sentence progressed, as if she had slowly gained a sense of self-awareness from saying that aloud and only just realizing how absurd it was to spontaneously appear on the other side of the world in less than 48 hours. Diana blinked in response. After a moment, she took Akko's hand and led her inside her flat with, you must be freezing. I'll make you some tea. The cold that she felt from Akko's fingers was evidence that her assessment was correct. As Diana led Akko inside, she gasped as she felt Akko pressed up against her back, her arms wrapping around Diana's abdomen. I missed you, Akko said softly, yet her unbridled passion was almost tangible. I couldn't wait. I just had to see you. Diana felt a warmth inside of her, as if her heart had melted into warm syrup. I missed you too, Akko, Diana whispered. Like you wouldn't believe. 
She felt Akko's chuckle as vibrations on her back. No. I do believe, Akko said. Because I felt it too. As Akko set her luggage in the living room and sank dramatically into the couch, Diana began preparing tea. I thought you were coming back next month, she remarked. When did you decide to come back earlier? About two days ago, Akko said as she took off her windbreaker. Diana stood at the entrance to the kitchen and looked at Akko in disbelief. That's, how did you manage to secure a flight in such a short notice? With a lot of struggle and sacrifice, Akko responded. I had to switch to a budget airline since they were the only airline that had spots that I could take. God, the seats were so uncomfy. She cringed at the memory as she stretched and yawned. Diana nodded. What did your parents think? Ah. Uh, I kinda just told them that I was gonna leave when I already packed my bags, Akko said sheepishly as she scratched the back of her neck. Oh Carson was a little upset, but Otuzan said that I was bored out of my mind anyway so he was fine with it. I hope that this won't cause too much friction between Akko and her mother, Diana thought. She nevertheless found it endearing that Akko would return on a whim to Diana because she missed her. After the water boiled, Diana returned to the living room with two teacups and a teapot and poured a cup for Akko and herself. She sat next to Akko on the couch. Akko seemed all too happy to receive the warm drink. She blew at the tea enthusiastically to an extent that had made Diana feel vicariously lightheaded before taking a sip. Diana had missed her girlfriend's adorable little idiosyncrasies. So, Diana started after taking a sip of her own tea, why did you come back so soon? Akko's eyes seemed to gain an intensity that surprised Diana. I played your game. Diana's breath hitched. The mention of her game from Akko caused all of her anticipation to come crashing back. W what did you think? She asked nervously. It felt like the appraisal of her game by Akko was the most important judgment she would ever receive in her lifetime. I felt it, Akko said with earnestness. I get the feelings that you were trying to portray. You made an experience that communicated how you feel about me. When I finished the game, I was floored. It was beautiful. It meant so much to me. Diana hung onto Akko's every word with rapt attention. Akko took her hand and continued. But most of all, I appreciate your courage by stepping out on a limb to show me how you feel. And so that's why I'm here. Because you've already made a game for me and I couldn't think of a better way to get my feelings for you across. Akko. Diana said in a quiet voice, in fear of breaking the intimate spell that had been casted over them. With affectionate red eyes that spoke to Diana's blue, Akko said, I love you. I love you. Those were the words that Diana heard from Akko's lips. Those were the words that Diana wanted to tell Akko with her game. She felt like their souls were synchronized in every way possible. I love you too, the words barely left her lips before they were captured fervently by Akko's. Hands slithered across backs and necks. Lips that met each other, and parted from their own to deepen the kiss. 
racing hearts that were close to one another. Labored breaths that could be felt by the other. Akko parted to say, I miss this, to which Diana responded with, so did I, before capturing Akko's lips yet again. Aren't you glad that I'm back? Akko asked with a smirk in between the meeting of their lips. Diana took Akko's mouth passionately for a few moments before pulling apart. I hope that answered your question, Diana said as she regained her breath. Although I should let you know that not contacting me for two days was hell. Akko looked confused. What? I had thought that either you didn't want to talk to me because I had upset you in some way, or worse, that something had happened to you that incapacitated your ability to contact me, Diana vented, the tumultuous emotions from her frustrations and worries seeped into her voice. She was going to give her girlfriend a piece of her mind. I could barely sleep. I could barely eat. I could barely function. Diana I'm so sorry, Akko squeaked out. Don't do that to me ever again. Please, Akko, Diana pleaded. I promise. Akko responded in an instant. But, it wasn't intentional. I swear. I had been using my phone to organize everything in a rush, but eventually it died so I kinda just had to get by without it. Diana looked at Akko with a raised eyebrow. Akko. You are aware that you can charge your phone at the airport, right? Ah. Uh, maybe. Diana chuckled. It's fine. I forgive you. All things considered, being right here with me is the best way to make it up to me. There was a moment of silence, in which Akko seemed to consider something, before her hand stroked Diana's arm gently. Maybe. I could really make it up to you. She isn't suggesting, could she be? Diana suddenly felt a pool of heat inside her, as her heart beated in anticipation at Akko's implication. Akko you don't have to. But I want to, Akko softly declared as her eyes gazed at Diana's unwaveringly. Diana could have sworn that Akko's eyes grew darker. I want to love you in every way possible, Diana, but only if you're comfortable with having me. The last part of what Akko said sounded a little more unsure. But Diana's response wasn't to reassure Akko, at least not completely. Because Diana would have been lying if she said that she didn't want Akko at that moment. Let's go to my room, Diana whispered. That might as well have been shouted, since she could see Akko's sudden intake of breath from knowing with certainty where things were going. She took Akko by the hand and led her to her room. Diana had been aroused. That tends to happen when you heavily make out with your girlfriend, especially after not seeing her for a month. But Diana always tried to restrain her desires in her makeout sessions with Akko, because pushing them to the back of her mind was a good way to make sure that she wouldn't do something that Akko or herself would regret. But now, that arousal is at the forefront of her mind. Try as she might, she could not ignore it. Fanned by the fact that Akko also wanted what was to come, she felt an excitement that she had never felt before. As Akko crossed the barrier into her room, Diana closed the door behind them. The moment the door closed, however, Akko gently pushed Diana against the door and captured her mouth passionately. 
The feeling of meeting Akko's soft tongue in one of their mouths, which one, Diana couldn't tell, felt heavenly, but truth be told, being pressed against a cold, hard surface that made wooden knocking sounds whenever Akko pressed against her wasn't the most comfortable thing. But there was something hot about being pinned between Akko and a hard surface. So she allowed herself to indulge Akko like this for a little while longer. After some time, Diana broke from the kiss and brought her lips close to Akko's ears. Let's move to my bed, Otsuko. Akko nodded, but not before Diana felt Akko shiver at her pronunciation of her name. But before they went on to Diana's bed, Akko took Diana by her hands. Are you sure, Diana, she asked. Yes, Diana replied with a soft smile. She didn't feel like any other words were needed, as she could show Akko the extent of her certainty later. Can I, touch you? Akko asked in a tentative whisper, as her eyes unashamedly travelled below Diana's body. Diana's breathing felt so heavy with anticipation that she could barely let out her breathy response. Yes. Some part of Diana's mind felt strange that she was not as self-conscious as she would have thought about being in her room with a sexy girl checking her out and asking to feel her. Although she was a little nervous about what the experience would feel like. Akko must have somehow heard Diana's affirmation, as her hand slowly travelled from Diana's waist to her abdomen, as if asking Diana if she was sure. Diana studied Akko's focused eyes and the subtle bite of the side of her lips. She realised that in that moment, she found Akko not as adorable or cute, but intoxicatingly attractive. Diana's concentration was broken with the hitch of her breath, as she felt the soft pressure of Akko's fingers on the fabric over her breast. Akko's fingers halted as she looked at Diana for an indication that she could continue, to which she received in the form of a small nod. Akko's other hand snaked behind Diana's waist and back as her right hand explored the front of her body. Admittedly, Diana didn't derive too much pleasure from the layers of fabric that she was wearing, but she was pleased by how much Akko was enjoying herself. Would you like me to take it off? Diana asked. Sorry. Akko's attention had clearly been elsewhere. Diana didn't bother asking again. She slowly took off her turtleneck and dropped it on her table, followed by the white shirt that she wore underneath. She didn't miss Akko stepping back for a better view of the show that Diana was giving her. Only for Akko. Akko stepped forward and wrapped her arms around Diana. She fumbled with the clasp of the black bra for a couple of moments, likely thinking that it would have been romantic for her to finish undressing Diana, before Diana chuckled and unclasped her bra herself. The slightly embarrassed look on Akko's face helped her feel less self-conscious about standing in front of her wearing nothing from her waist up. Her girlfriend spent a moment admiring her body before her hands resumed their exploration. The bare contact meant that Diana was no longer only feeling pressure, but she could feel Akko's palms and fingertips moving along her skin. It felt more intense. She felt more sensitive. It felt amazing. Her nipples were hard from a combination of the cold and the arousal and anticipation that had been coursing in her body for what felt like a millennia now. When Akko's fingers first brushed across it, Diana let out a sound that was somewhere between a gasp and a moan. 
it sent a spike of pleasure throughout her body. The surprising sound was an encouragement to Akko. She began stimulating Diana with intentional fingers this time, before employing her other hand in her efforts. Diana had been too distracted in trying to quell any more embarrassing sounds that she might make from the ceaseless pleasurable sensations that Akko was giving her, that when Akko captured her mouth, the mixture of her broken concentration and overwhelmed senses led her to softly moaning into Akko's mouth. Half of her wanted to just let go completely, while the other half still wanted to hold on to some semblance of elegance and grace. Eventually, Akko stopped, and Diana felt disappointment. Akko gently pushed her onto the bed and placed a hand on the hip of her grey trousers. Diana received the message and took them off. Akko's eyes trailed along Diana's legs, from her feet to her hips. She reached for Diana's underwear when... Wait, Diana said. Akko's hand retracted instantly. I want to see you, too. Akko stepped back from the bed and got to work immediately. She took off her jumper and dropped it onto the floor. You're not wearing a shirt underneath. Diana remarked, without taking her eyes off of Akko's body. Nope, Akko responded as she shimmied out of her jeans. Often wore shorts that showed too much leg, but for Diana, seeing Akko's bare thigh in its full glory and the light pink underwear was something else. Akko was about to unclasp her white bra when Diana suddenly got off of her bed, reached behind Akko, and unclasped it in one swift motion. Show off, Akko pouted. Diana smirked at her in response, before looking down to appreciate her girlfriend's body. Akko felt warm under her touch. You're even more beautiful than I imagined. Akko blushed. So you've thought about me naked, she teased. That's very unbecoming of you, Lady Caven, Diana enjoyed the gasp that interrupted Akko's tease, as she brushed a nipple with her thumb. Once Akko recovered, she apparently had more queries for her girlfriend. Have you ever touched yourself to? Akko moaned as Diana pinched the nipple softly between her thumb and finger. She was having too much fun. Hey! That's not fair, Akko said in faux indignance. Sorry. Diana was not sorry. And yes. Of course I have. Maybe it was the fact that Diana was aroused as hell in that moment, but she didn't feel as much guilt as she would have thought she would in admitting that. More than that, it came easily. There was something about being around Akko that made her feel safe in confiding things to her. God that's so hot, Akko said. Diana didn't really understand why Akko would find that hot. I've done it to you too. Diana now understood. Akko let Diana play with her a moment longer before she led her back to the bed. This time, Diana let Akko take her underwear off. She was embarrassed by how drenched her underwear was, but Akko made no comment. At least the black color made it a little harder to see. Diana had never let anyone see her naked like this before. She felt vulnerable. But at the same time, she felt safe with Akko. Neither of the girls had any prior experiences, and their mutual lack of experience aided in making Diana feel comfortable. She felt a strange sense of satisfaction knowing that they would be each other's firsts. 
Diana was about to reach for Akko's underwear when Akko stopped her hand by the wrist. I want to do it first, she said softly as she met Diana's eyes. I want to show you how much I love you. Diana felt her heart melt at Akko's words. She nodded, before resting her head on her pillow. One of Akko's knees was to the side of Diana's legs, while the other was in between. She captured Diana's lips before she began. As Akko's fingers trailed up her inner thigh, Diana felt her anticipation and arousal grow. When Akko's fingers touched her where she needed it the most, she gasped as she felt a spike of pleasure that was at once too much and not enough. Akko began her ministrations, and Diana felt pleasure assaulting her senses. Akko's other hand caressed Diana wherever she could reach. Diana had never felt this close to anyone before. The intimacy was heady. She felt like her very soul was connected with Akko as they communicated their love and trust without words. As Diana's breaths were heavy with pleasure, Akko's breaths were labored with the effort she was putting in to give all she could to her. Her moans served as Akko's guidance. Diana understood. Akko wanted to give Diana everything she could. Her affection. Her love. Herself. She was close. So close. Diana began rocking her hips as Akko redoubled her efforts. Akko leaned down and passionately kissed her. It had been sloppy as Diana couldn't help but to moan into a kiss, and her mind struggled to concentrate through the thick fog of pleasure. She gripped her pillow like her life depended on it. Before long, Diana felt herself at the edge of the plateau of her arousal, only to be pushed past the edge when Akko whispered intimately into her ear. I love you, Diana. She felt waves and waves of white-hot pleasure assaulting her senses as Akko guided her to ride out her orgasm. After the spasms receded, Diana felt her muscles turn into liquid as she felt the blissful afterglow. Akko wiped her hand on her abdomen as she smiled at Diana's barely open eyes in satisfaction. Was that as good as your fantasies? Diana summoned what little energy she had left to roll her eyes. No, it was better, she said with a smile. Just, give me a moment to recuperate. I was that good, huh? Akko teased as she laid down next to Diana. Yes. You were pretty good, Diana responded, her eyes closed. How about we take a nap? Akko suggested. You're tired from being sleep-deprived and from what I just did to you. And I'm tired from jet lag. You can take care of me later. Diana opened her eyes to look at Akko. She's beautiful. That sounds like an amazing plan, Akko. I ought to thank you for being so considerate. You can thank me after you wake up, Akko said. Diana gave Akko a small kiss before pulling the covers over the both of them. I will, Diana said. And love you too, Akko. I know. They fell asleep moments after, and didn't wake up until the following morning, in which they found the cups of cold tea that they had forgotten in the living room. Chapter 16 I Miss Chomsky, After All Akko hummed with the lively melody playing through her earbuds, as she walked through the campus with a bounce in her step.
were the other students, who were walking near her annoyed. Akko had no idea. Because she paid no mind to any of that. Why would she, when she was having a good day? A good week. A good month. Months. Sure, Akko was always an exuberant and optimistic girl even in the face of adversity, but lately, she wasn't chirpy, just, because it was an aspect of Akko's personality that she was known for. No. She was the happiest she had ever been in her life, because of a certain blonde, who she loved with all her heart, and loved her back. Who appreciated Akko for who she was. Who allowed Akko to shower her with affection, and return it ardently in her own unique way. Diana Cavendish Akko thanked the mysterious forces that governed the universe, and tweaked the laws of physics, just right so as to bestow her the opportunity of having crossed paths with Diana. It was unfathomable just how small the odds were of them ever meeting. Infinitesimal. Yet here Akko was able to easily recall the memories of Diana dancing for her at the Clayum Soleil. Of them confessing to one another. Of their first kiss. Of their first time. Akko laughed at how ridiculous the world was in granting her this improbable heaven of a reality. If even just a single detail about her life was changed, then maybe she would have never been able to meet Diana. A few students that were walking in her vicinity turned to give Akko curious looks. For her part, Akko only felt slightly embarrassed. She really couldn't help feeling blessed every time she thought of Diana. Akko walked into the IT building and took the elevator up to the office floor. She walked through the elevator door and took the familiar corners that she had become acquainted with. Soon, Akko was in front of a door with a familiar name plaque and knocked. Come in, came a muffled voice from the other side. Akko twisted the knob and pushed the door to reveal a blue-haired woman smiling back at her from over the piles of assignments that were yet to be marked on her desk. Nice to see you, Akko, Ursula greeted. How have you been? I've been really good. Akko answered back enthusiastically, as she plopped on the empty chair that was on the other side of Ursula's desk. Ursula chuckled. You've been saying that every time I asked for the past month. Well it's true. How have you been, Ursula? Akko asked with unnecessary emphasis on the you. Oh, the usual, Ursula sheepishly responded with a dismissive wave of her hand, as if she were only a recurring character in a story. Unfortunately, being a full-time adult isn't very exciting. I get too bogged down by things like insurance policies and employment contracts to really have any room for much else in my day-to-day -day life. Ursula took off her glasses and began rubbing her eyes. Akko watched as her mental side while looking out of the window of her office. That sounds kinda depressing, Akko admitted as she laid back into the chair. It almost makes my struggles at uni seem fun. Ursula turned back to Akko with one of those mature smiles that seemed a little sad. Was it something that every adult would be good at? I sure hope it does. Really, you won't know what you have until it's gone. Akko could do nothing but nod wordlessly. But it sounds like you're having a good time anyway, 
Ursula continued in a lighted tone, as if realizing that she was reminiscing about lost time for a bit too long. How are you going with coursework? Ah. Uh, going, Akko deflated. These courses get harder and harder every semester. The assignments just don't stop coming. But it's not too bad, because Diana has been helping me organize my studying schedule. Ursula smirked knowingly. She sounds like a keeper. Oh yeah, definitely. She's such a, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Akko's brain suddenly halted, having pieced together a new string of information within her synapses. You know I'm dating Diana. Sorry if I'm prying a little, Ursula chuckled like a teenager instigating a scandalous conversation in a school hallway. But yes, of course I do. It's not too hard to see your adorable hand holding under the tables during my lectures last semester. Akko sank further into the chair with embarrassment coloring her cheeks. Plus, I've seen the two of you more than a few times around campus recently. Akko felt like her cheeks were on fire. Oh oh. Ursula smiled warmly. I'm happy for you too. Really. I'm glad that you girls found something so precious. T thanks, Ursula. Akko didn't know what to say. She still felt a little embarrassed. If it makes you feel better, Ursula leaned a little. I'm also dating someone on campus. That piqued Akko's interest. Huh? Diana's master's supervisor, in fact, Ursula revealed with a smile. Now isn't that something? Akko's eyes widened. What? No way. Diana's crazy supervisor. Ursula lifted a brow. I wouldn't exactly call Croy crazy. Actually, maybe a little. I wouldn't know, I've been with her for too long to know what normal looks like. Wow. Did you guys meet at uni too? Ursula took a second to recall. As a matter of fact, we did, she said, sounding as if she herself was surprised by this fact. But we didn't start dating until long after uni finished. Until after the whole fiasco with the studio that shall not be named. For the second time in their meeting, Ursula gazed out her window wistfully. I wonder how things would have turned out if Croy and I got closer during uni. Akko really had nothing to say to that. This catch-up with Ursula was heavier than she had expected. If I could give you any real advice, it's this, Ursula spoke firmly. If you found a slice of happiness, you should fight for it. Do all you can to keep it, because it'll eventually grow and become something even more beautiful. The smile that Ursula gave Akko was genuine. It felt a little nostalgic, but Akko could tell that the sentiment that her mentor was trying to convey is one of hope and purpose. She just wants me to be happy, Akko thought. I'll do my best. That's all I ask, Ursula said as she leaned back into her chair. So, how is your current project going? From there, the conversation flowed in a way that was more familiar to Akko. She talked about her current endeavors in game development. In all honesty, it was questionable whether what Akko had in mind qualified as a project. Akko only had ideas that she had been penning down whenever they came to her.
Her experiences from working on a game with Diana taught her the value of not jumping into her favorite Unity editor without a single formulated thought in her head. Strangely enough, even though Diana hadn't been a fan of Potato S-Masher, which was a result of Akko's conceptless approach, she said that there was a strange sense of artistic value in the way that Akko had naively tackled video game development. Something about being analogous to a painter who decided to just make any strokes that came to her mind, or a musician in an improved session. But Akko couldn't tell if that was just Diana trying to console her from no longer harboring much respect for her earlier works. As surprising as it sounds, it happened one night when Akko wanted to show Diana her older games. Akko had been ecstatic with the idea of exhibiting her creations that she had been proud of to Diana, who had been just as happy to be bestowed with another opportunity to see aspects of Akko. But when Akko had launched the game that she made before Potato S. Masher, an action game about stick figures street fighting in the most over-the-top anime style possible, she started to feel not so great. It wasn't even that she felt embarrassed showing her slapstick game to Diana, well, maybe a little, but rather, Akko began to realize that she didn't really like her game. It felt pointless, thoughtless, soulless. So Akko quit the game within minutes of playing and launched another one of her games. It was just as bad, no, even worse, because not only did it lack substance in much the same way as the previous game, it was even older, meaning that Akko's technical craft was at a less developed point in time, and so the game didn't even have goofy action sequences going for it. But Akko didn't always feel this way about her games. In fact, several months ago, she would have had a blast playing her own games and reminiscing about the fun that she had making them. What has changed since then? A lot, evidently. Akko met someone who challenged her preconceived notions. Someone who opened her eyes to an entire dimension that was missing from her previous games. Someone who made a game with her that was something that she could never have conceived of herself, a game that felt meaningful and Akko was deeply fond of. A perspective shift. Akko had changed. She wasn't the same person that she was when she had made these games. She couldn't see them through those same eyes anymore. After the cycle of prematurely quitting a game and launching another repeated itself a couple iterations more, Diana asked Akko what was wrong. When Akko had told her how she felt, Diana offered that the games aren't necessarily worthless, since they were part of Akko's growth as a budding game developer. That didn't make Akko feel that much better, since it was really the loss of her own appreciation for her old games that bothered her, but she appreciated Diana's sentiment anyway. So really, even though Akko only had vague ideas here and there with no tangible progress, she still felt like she was in some sort of a process for her next game. And Ursula wholeheartedly supported this view. So Akko didn't feel bad at all about divulging to Ursula her head full of very half-baked ideas. After half an hour of Ursula mostly letting Akko brainstorm on her own and occasionally giving suggestions, Akko's stomach grumbled. Thinking was a lot of hard work, and hard work made Akko hungry. She thanked Ursula for making time for her and exited her office. As she navigated herself out of the IT building, she took out her phone. 103 Akko, where are we having lunch? 
103 Akko, I'm famous. 104 Susi, asterisk famished. 104 Susi, and being all up in Diana is not a pass to use fancy words. 104 Lotta, Susi. 105 Susi, Thai. 106 Akko, Furious Smiley. 107 Akko, I sincerely apologize for my aristocratic eloquence, but do not be intimidated, for I am still an ardent supporter of the inevitable proletariat revolution against the bourgeoisie. We have nothing to lose but our chains. 107 Amanda, okay Akko, you need to start using autocorrect. 108 Amanda, and we went to Thailand like two days ago. Lego pub. 108 Jasminka, I'm down for this. 108 Constanz, plus one. 109 Akko, autocorrect is another word for giving up, and I refuse to give up. 109 Akko, okay. See you all in five. Akko then opened another chat and tapped a message on her phone. 109 Akko, we're having lunch at last Wednesdays if you wanna come. Akko had been the first of her friends to get to the pub, since it was closer to the IT building than the other buildings where her friends had classes. It was relatively empty. There were a few patrons enjoying lunch, but none of them were university students, who tended to seek the other options in and around Luna Nova Tech. And really, the pub was a little dingy and could do with a little more natural lighting and less stickier tables, but to Akko, the relaxed, intimate setting coupled with the fair prices significantly outstripped whatever cons she could think of. Akko ordered the chicken schnitzel with chips and sat at her friend's favorite table with her food buzzer. Naturally, she dug out her phone. 112 Diana, I'm a bit busy, Akko. I need to get this assignment out of the way. I'll see you tonight. 114 Akko, no worries. See you soon, love. Gosh, she's working so hard, Akko thought. Realistically, Diana has always worked very hard, but her master's program was a lot on her plate. LNIT was well known for their prestigious biomedical engineering program, so it was unsurprising that the world-class academics that designed the master's program had their students working like hamsters in wheels. Apparently it was to cultivate the best graduate and research outcomes possible, but Akko didn't understand why overloading students was thought of as a form of preparation. Diana's busy schedule did leave Akko reminiscing about the previous months where they had more time together. But in all honesty, Akko couldn't really complain because she was in a relationship with Diana Cavendish. The prettiest, smartest, kindest girl on campus, who loved her as much as Akko loved Diana. So Akko huffed in determination. Guess it's up to me to make sure Diana gets the downtime she needs. With that, Akko started scrolling through her daily dose of memes and giggling like a maniac. Until... Yo look who it is, Amanda said boisterously all the way from the entrance. It's our resident lady killer herself. Amanda, Jasminka and Constanz walked over to Akko's table. Constanz greeted her with a salute while Jasminka said, Hi, Akko. Akko waved enthusiastically at her friends, 
before turning a confused gaze to Amanda. I didn't kill any ladies, she denied the allegation. Amanda was about to admit that she walked right into that one, before remembering that chances are, it wasn't that Akko was a master of wit, but rather that she was someone who often missed the forest for the trees. What would you guys like? I can order for you, Jasminka offered. Their American burger with chips, Amanda responded. And a glass of the cheapest lager. How about you, cons? Steak with mash? Jasminka asked Constanz, to which she received a thumbs up in response. I'll be right back. Amanda turned to Akko. So, how's your sugar mommy? She's not my sugar mum. Akko responded indignantly. No, you have to say sugar mom, otherwise it doesn't make any sense, Amanda corrected, generously giving Akko free American education. She's not my sugar mom. Amanda looked like she didn't believe her. Are you implying that she doesn't try to pay for everything? Cause one look at her and even a blind person can tell that she's the kind to do that. Okay, yeah, you might have a point there, Akko capitulated. But it's not like I asked for it. The best I can do is offer to pay for my share once every once in a while. Amanda wore a shit-eating grin that Akko had no power over. But yeah. She's been really busy since she started her masters, Akko said. Which sucks, but it's what she wants to do so she's fine with it. We also don't have any classes together anymore. But we still see each other outside of class. I'm seeing her tonight, actually. Amanda nodded. Yeah. It really does happen sometimes, she said before she smirked. Try to keep it down for Hannah and Barbara's sales, would YA. Hannah did mention to me that Diana's bed squeaks. Amanda waggled her eyebrows. Wait, but her bed doesn't even squeak that loudly. Unless. Akko's eyes widened. Either I never really noticed, or Diana's walls are thin. Huh. Amanda looked amused. Well. I don't blame you for not noticing. I probably wouldn't either if I. Okay, let's not continue this cursed conversation, Susie said with disgust as she approached the table with Lotta. My appetite has already shrunk by the prospect of pub food and hearing about that makes me reconsider whether I even want dinner tonight. I echo the latter half of that sentiment, Jasminka said as she returned to the table somehow carrying a food buzzer, Amanda's lager, a jug of water and five glasses. It was almost as if she was the protagonist of some elementary school math problem. Lotta's cheeks were slightly red from being privy to what the conversation had been about. Hey guys, she greeted. A round of greetings and waves were exchanged. After leaving their bags on their chairs, Lotta and Susie went to order at the bar. Speaking of Hannah, Akko started, how are things with her? Amanda narrowed her eyes. What do you mean? Akko shrugged. You know. She gestured wildly. I don't know. You guys didn't get along last year, but now that Diana and I are going out, are you guys okay? Amanda rolled her eyes at the purposeless inquiry from Akko. Yeah we're fine I guess, 
No bad blood. That's good. Akko beamed. Aren't you guys friends now? Jasminka asked. Akko's head snapped to Jasminka, before whipping back to Amanda, giving the latter girl a look of surprise. Amanda seemed taken aback by Jasminka's remark. The Russian girl wasn't usually one for teasing, but Amanda could swear that this is as close to that as she would ever get to hear. M maybe. I'm not really sure. That earned her curious looks from around the table. Yeah look I really don't know what to say here, Amanda said, feeling slightly defensive. We get along okay whenever we see each other. There's no bickering, so that's good. But there's no bantering too. So yes, we're fine, but she's not really a friend in the same way that you guys are friends to me. Akko nodded. Yeah I think I know what you mean. But who knows what could happen, she asked rhetorically with immense optimism. Maybe you guys will get closer, and suddenly you find yourselves to be way past being just friends. Amanda regarded the dreamy look on Akko's face with disgust. This is the sort of thing I'd expect Lotta to say, she remarked. But you're projecting harder than me thinking that every girl is gay enough to hit on. You do that. Akko nearly shouted in shock. And anyway, the whole drama started in the first place, because I tried to hit on Hannah. So if I want things to go smoothly it makes no sense to pretend like that's a possibility, Amanda said. Jasminka hummed in appreciation. Constanz scribbled something on her notepad before holding it up. Sounds like you've learnt something. That's really mature of you, Lotta said as she and Susie came back. Thanks, Amanda said, right before taking a large swig from her glass of beer that seemed to willfully contradict everyone's compliments about her maturity. Susie cackled. Never change, Amanda. Of course. Perfection can only change to imperfection, Amanda said confidently, as she ran her hand through her hair before resting her arm on the back of her chair. Before long, the food buzzers started going off one by one, signifying to the girls that their food was ready. As usual, Amanda complained that her burger wasn't American enough, which was surprisingly enough a complaint that only Akko understood. Because Akko had tried American burgers, that one time Amanda took her to a fancy burger place in the city, and eating that had made Akko feel immensely tired and done with burgers for at least half a year. After finishing their meals, the girls sat and chatted around the table about whatever benign topics that popped into their heads. It was always like that with their crew, and Akko wouldn't want to change any part of it. When the end of the hour approached, they exited the pub in pursuit of their next classes. Akko was counting down the minutes before she could see Diana. The project management lecture could not pass by any slower. If Akko didn't know any better, she would have guessed that the sharply dressed fellow standing in front of the podium was an investment banker, or something, with his bright red tie covering a collar button that was almost surely done and blazer and pants matching shades of blue. She wasn't really sure why agile methodology is a thing that's being taught in a third-year unit. Surely, it's nothing but common sense. Like why would you not do things incrementally? It seemed a bit weird to Akko that her family is paying a fortune for her to sit through this course.
As much as Akko was loath to admit, she'd rather take another course on data structures, or on the Chomsky hierarchy, than this fluffy professional development course, because at least in the former case, she would get her money's worth of education. I miss Chomsky, after all. Oh well, at least the so-called Agile Manifesto was cool, because it almost sounded like the Communist Manifesto. Not that Akko had read it of course, when someone from the Socialist Society tried to lend Akko a copy of the Communist Manifesto, she handed it right back to the nice girl when she read up to the word, hitherto, in the very first page. Wait, Huzo. Akko was suddenly struck with a thought that caused her to jerk in her seat, disrupting a few students around her. Was that girl hitting on me back then? Thinking back to that time, Akko vaguely recalled that the conversation that led up to the girl offering to lend her a copy of the book was about the Japanese working class. Wow, your unique background is so insightful, the other girl had said with a beaming smile. Akko also could swear that she read from somewhere that lending someone a book is a good way to secure a date, because you'd eventually have to retrieve the book from them. Or maybe the girl just wanted to recruit her into socialist society. Akko would never know because she declined loaning the book from the girl. It was weird thinking that Akko just might have been roped into a relationship earlier in her university life had she done something as simple as accepting a book. But really, it was a blessing that she didn't. Because if Akko had entered into a relationship, then she probably wouldn't have had the chance to embark on one with Diana. So in a way, Akko had been saving herself for Diana. That was a cute thought in Akko's mind. When Akko's final class finished, she had no idea what happened in the last 10 minutes of it, because she zoned right out. Akko packed up her study materials in record time and rushed out of the lecture hall. There might have been eyes that curiously followed Akko as she rushed out of the hall, but she could spare no thought, for she had something much more important to consider. She had a plan. Yes, Akko had a plan. Never mind that she had only come up with the plan in the past hour. And that she was definitely going to be late to Diana's flat. But it would be worth it, so she took out her phone and tapped a message to Diana. 402 Akko, hey Diana, I'm gonna be a little late. 402 Akko, I have something I gotta do. 404 Diana, no problem. If you're too busy we can see each other tomorrow instead. 405 Akko, N-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-
Lotta looked confused. I thought it was my turn to make dinner. Well, I'm seeing Diana tonight, so I thought it might be a good idea if I made dinner so I can bring some over to her. Lotta's expression suddenly took on one of excitement. Oh that sounds so romantic Akko. Of course I'll help. Let's go. Lotta marched into the kitchen with a scarily determined look in her eyes. Akko hadn't even told Lotta what she wanted to make. Thanks, Lotta. Akko said as she carefully placed two containers of warm food into her bag. Lotta smiled kindly at Akko as she stood at the entrance to the kitchen. No worries, Akko. And thank you for the dinner too. It saved me a lot of effort, and Lotta took a whiff, it smells absolutely delicious. Akko beamed at Lotta, feeling satisfied that her rather impromptu idea was mutually beneficial. I'm glad. And we did it in record tea. As Akko turned her gaze to the clock hanging above the TV, a panic overtook her mind. Oh crap, I gotta get going. Have a wonderful night, Akko. Lotta called out after Akko as the latter girl rushed to put on her shoes. You too. Akko said. As she opened the door, she nearly bumped into Susie. Oh hi Susie look I got to go, because Diana has probably been waiting a long time for me but Lotta and I made dinner okay bye. Susie could only blink as a blur of brunette hair rushed past her face. The turbulence in the air that followed was strong enough to blow her bangs out of place for a second, momentarily revealing her left eye that was often hidden from the world. What a strange wind, she said as she shrugged and walked into her flat. Akko practically power walked to Diana's place. By the time she got there, the sun was setting, marking the beginning of the night. She wrapped her knuckles on the wooden door. It was Hannah who opened the door. Well well well. Someone's late, she said with an eyebrow raised and her arms folded across her chest. Akko smiled sheepishly. Yeah. But only because I was doing something special for Diana. Now Hannah's interest was piqued. And what might that be? Akko. Diana called out from the hallway. She wore a genuine smile at seeing Akko that tugged at Akko's heartstrings. If Diana was a violinist, I would be her violin, she thought. Wait, that's kinda weirdly s. She said she was late, because she was doing something special for you, Hannah said. That made Barbara poke her head out of her room, like a baby bird hearing the chirping of their mother, signifying that they were about to be fed a meal. In Barbara's case, a meal of pure sappiness. Oh? Diana looked at Akko with faux disbelief. And what special thing might Akko possibly do for me that would make up for the hour that she was late? Hannah interjected with amusement. Okay. That sounded way too suggestive. Diana rolled her eyes at Hannah. I didn't mean it that way. Now Akko was imagining it. Oh dear. This was going downhill. And fast. She needed to say something right now. A meal, Akko said. Oh no, Barbara said from the hallway. She's eating Japanese. Oh god, 
Hannah could barely contain her laughter. Diana hid her burning face behind her hands. Akko, why would you say? No 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 no, I mean it. I made dinner for us. Akko cried in embarrassment. Oh? Diana's face reappeared as her hands retracted. That's, very sweet of you. Were you late, because you spent the time preparing dinner for us? Akko nodded profusely. Yep. I had help from Lotta of course, otherwise it would have taken even longer. Diana turned to her flatmates. I blame you girls for sullying this romantic moment. We're sorry, Hannah apologized disingenuously, her amusement almost seeping into her voice. I'm guessing you didn't make enough for all of us. Ah. Uh, about that. Now don't worry about it Akko, Barbara said. We were ordering out anyway. She waved before ducking back into her room. Akko looked visibly relieved. Next time though, I promise. Hannah began walking back to her room. Have fun you lovebirds. She stopped right before entering her room. Maybe not too much fun, she said with a mix of amusement and seriousness before walking into her room and closing the door. Diana pinched the bridge of her nose. Sometimes, I wonder why I still live with these rascals. Because you love them, Akko answered simply. Diana smiled at Akko. There was endearment in her eyes. You're not wrong. And most of all, I love you. I love you too, Akko said before reaching for a chaste kiss. Come on, let's eat while it's still warm. Akko made katsu curry. In all honesty, her idea of making dinner for Diana had been rather sudden, so she didn't have much of a choice but to default to Japanese curry. It was simple and tasty. Diana prepared some tea to go with the meal. They ate in comfortable conversations about their day. Diana reassured that she wasn't bothered by Akko's lateness and that she had used that time productively. It was a wonderful meal with pleasant company. Akko was glad that she did this. Afterwards, Diana offered to wash the containers and cutleries before they headed over to Diana's room. Wait! I too can offer a little surprise for you, Diana said while Akko took a seat on her chair. Akko watched as Diana left the room and felt a tinge of anticipation. Diana wasn't really a spontaneous person, but the fact that she was starting to try was evidence of the impact that Akko was having on Diana's life. And it was a positive one, she was really glad that she wasn't dragging Diana down by any means. As Akko waited, she spun around on Diana's comfy desk chair. The room smelled like Diana, which relaxed her. She looked at the papers with incomprehensible scientific jargon on Diana's desk like a target on a map that a military commander was considering a drone strike. It was her duty to ensure that Diana doesn't look at those for the rest of the night. She turned her gaze to the wall, and her eyes softened at the pendant that hung neatly and safely above the desk. Akko felt good knowing that Diana would think of her whenever she looked up from her desk. She hoped that it brought Diana comfort. When Diana came back, she held a bowl with green tea ice cream and two small spoons. I was hoping to share this with you. 
Akko's eyes lit up. Thanks so much, Diana. Diana settled herself on her bed as they dug into the ice cream. Eventually, Akko decided to spoon-feed Diana. Here comes the choo-choo train. After Diana ate the ice cream from Akko's spoon with slightly pink cheeks, she spoke. That defeated the purpose of having two spoons. Your mistake for bringing two spoons when we only needed one, Akko quipped back cheerily. Diana's only response was to spoon-feed Akko in return. After they finished, Akko insisted that they watch Daily Dose of Cats on YouTube before moving on to browsing random videos that they would find. Eventually, Akko laid on Diana's bed and stretched. Diana took the opportunity to give Akko a deep kiss as her hair hung around their faces like curtains. You taste like green tea ice cream, Akko remarked as they pulled apart. What a coincidence. So do you, Diana replied with a smile. It was then that Akko suddenly realized something. Did you bring ice cream, just to make sure that we taste sweet and not like curry when we kiss? Diana looked as though she had been caught with her hand in the cookie jar. Perhaps. Akko could not help but laugh. Well, aren't you warm and calculating? Diana kissed her neck. Millimeter hum. Akko really didn't want to stop her, but a conversation earlier in the day sprung into her mind. Wait. Yes, Akko. Diana reluctantly pulled up. Your bed squeaks. And apparently Hannah can hear it. Diana deliberated for a moment. Yes, that is most unfortunate. Does it bother you that much? Akko looked surprised. It doesn't bother you. It does to a certain extent. But it's an acceptable sacrifice. Hannah wouldn't learn anything that she didn't already know, Diana responded. I'm not super bothered by it, but... Diana's mischievous glint in her eyes didn't relent. Akko, dear. We don't have to use the bed. Chapter 17, Not Tonight, Honey. Every Tuesday was a wonderful day for Diana. Because that was the one day of the working week in which Diana's lunch break-in between her classes aligned with Akko's. This meant that in between her three-hour lecture for nanomaterials in medicine in the morning, that she was currently sitting in, and her grueling class on advanced bionics in the afternoon, taught by Croy, which was largely why the course was so challenging, Diana had a little oasis to recharge her batteries by setting aside all thoughts of work in her mind and spending time with Akko. The class had only about 20 students. Cohorts for postgraduate courses in technical areas tended to be small after all. Perhaps it was Croy's reputation for pulling no punches when it came to her courses that had deterred many of the undergraduate student body from pursuing further study. After all, she was the postgraduate coordinator. I'm just ensuring the quality of our graduates, Croy would say with a shrug and the faintest smirk on her face. As the lecture on biosensors wrapped up, Diana packed up her materials into her bag in a fashion that balanced grace and speed. After all, she only had about an hour with Akko. And she was going to make sure that she got every second she could. Diana said goodbye to the lecturer and a few of the other students she was acquainted with as she left the lecture room. 
It was a breezy walk from the Biomedical Engineering Building to Leon Park. Often, Diana and Akko spent their Tuesday lunch breaks at restaurants near the campus. Sometimes it would be at that quaint little Japanese restaurant that was a bit of a trek from the university. Other times, it would be Akko's favorite Thai restaurant. Diana actually knew of the restaurant well before Akko took them there, but she had never ordered the pad Kimao before. When she tried, however, it had been spicy, and Diana Cavendish was not great with spicy food. The dish was only emptied with the help of Akko's almighty appetite, second only to Jasminka, of course. Diana had been a little disappointed in herself that she was unable to withstand one of Akko's favorite foods of all time, but in the interest of self-preservation, she resigned herself to only ordering pad thai or pad siu at Thai restaurants. For some reason, Akko warned Diana not to order the latter in the presence of Susie. Diana was interested in exploring the plethora of restaurants in the area that she and Akko had never visited before, but to take advantage of the good mid-spring weather that they were blessed with on that particular Tuesday, the couple decided to have a picnic in their favorite park instead. As Diana strode on the concrete paths in the park, she spotted Akko waving enthusiastically at her from the entrance that was closest to the IT building. She felt a smile on her lips as she waved in return. They met at a table in the park that was under the shade of a particularly tall tree. Diana. Akko said cheerily as she plopped on the bench that Diana was seated on. How was your morning? It was fine. Just the usual nanomaterials class. And yourself? Diana answered. While Akko went on a tangent about how her project management course was really just a fluffy prep for getting a corporate job under late-stage capitalism, Diana reached for her lunchbox in her bag. Diana genuinely enjoyed listening to Akko speak passionately about the venomous greed of corporatism. She had heard this political ramble enough times to know that it would inevitably lead to Akko drawing the connection between the flawed economic system to the rise of the oversaturation and hyperconsumerism of the AAA gaming industry that sucked the soul out of video games. Despite Akko being neither particularly well-read nor a seasoned pundit, Diana could see where she was coming from, despite her own upbringing. While she enjoyed the convenience of buying lunch, Diana did try to make her own lunches at least three days a week. She wasn't a particularly impressive cook by any means, in fact, she was adamant in her belief that Akko bested her in this aspect, nor did she need to be frugal with her money, but she felt like she was engaging in some significant form of self-care in doing so. Quinoa salad and an apple. Akko stared at it when Diana took her lunch out of her bag. Diana, Akko spoke in an oddly serious tone. That isn't lunch. Diana looked down at her food before looking back up at Akko. What do you mean? Diana asked bemusedly. It looks like a perfectly satiating meal to me. Akko looked positively scandalized. Admittedly, it is a rather moderate portion as lunches go. But it should be enough for me, Diana said in Akko's silence. Moreover, if I get hungry then I can eat this as well. Diana pulled a carton of strawberry yogurt from her bag like a magic trick. Akko was not impressed. That's it, Diana. Akko huffed with finality. 
You're gonna have some of my lunch. Akko took out her lunchbox and opened it, revealing sausages and a fried egg on top of chicken fried rice. That does look delicious. But I'm in no need of. Diana, Akko said in a tone that made no room for bickering. I will force feed you if I have to. Diana was a grown woman who could tell which battles were worth fighting for and which ones weren't. This particular scenario was of the latter. Because Diana recognized the determined glint in Akko's eyes. She wasn't going to be able to leave the park without eating at least a little of Akko's food in front of her. I guess I have no other choice, Diana conceded with an amused smile. Akko looked satisfied with that response. You won't regret it. She took out her chopsticks, pinched a sausage and brought it in front of Diana's lips. Open sesame. Diana blushed in embarrassment as she took a modest bite of Akko's sausage. Her first thought was that it was surprisingly warm. She must have used the microwaves in the IT building, Diana thought. It was also rather delicious. It wasn't too salty like the sausages that were often served in restaurants. Diana didn't particularly like foods that were saturated with flavoring, so the rather moderate taste was a pleasant quality. After Diana had finished chewing and swallowing, she said, that was delicious, Akko. Thanks. Akko beamed. Most of my lunch today is really just the leftovers from last night's dinner that Lotta made. Like, I made fried rice from her chicken dish, which you gotta try, but not before you eat the rest of this sausage. After another bite, Diana somehow managed to convince Akko to drop the sausage into her lunchbox so she could eat it more comfortably. While she was eating her quinoa salad, she was surprised by Akko dumping a spoonful of her fried rice into it, without actually using a spoon, since Akko ate rice with chopsticks. When they had finished, Diana thanked Akko for her food. Now you don't have to thank me, Akko said casually with a shrug. It makes me happy whenever I share food with you. Diana smiled softly. Well, then I'm glad to have been able to make you happy by enjoying your delightful cooking. Akko chuckled and playfully nudged Diana's shoulder with her head. I guess it's really easy to make me happy, huh? I think it's a testament to your wonderful personality, Akko, Diana said as she took Akko's hand and rested their linked hands on the skin of Akko's thigh. Her shorts were entirely too short and Diana wasn't even in the slightest bothered by this fact. You're truly a joy to be around. For the remainder of the hour, they had casual conversations about nothing in particular. But they were both rather content in each other's company and appreciating the scenery offered by Leon Park. When it had been time to leave, Diana walked Akko to her class before leaving for her own. Diana Cavendish being busy wasn't anything out of the ordinary. Any distant observer who so much as glanced in Diana's general direction at any point during the day would most likely come to the conclusion that she was a busy person in general. That she looked like she had things to do. Perhaps that was why people tended to leave Diana alone. She almost perpetually looked like she was in the process of fulfilling a purpose greater than theirs. Being busy wasn't something that Diana minded. After all, it was progress. And indeed, 
her tendency to be busy did tend to correlate with her sense of purpose. The tasks that she would set for herself on any given day prepared her for one day leading her family business to its former glory. To a brighter future for the Cavendish household. To where her mother had wished for her to be. But there was a world of difference between being busy and feeling busy. Diana had never before truly felt like she was pressed for time. That her workload ate into her life. But she was starting to feel it now. Perhaps it should be unsurprising, after all, the life of a master's student often eclipsed that of an undergraduate in terms of workload and pressure. Someone studying for their bachelor's needed only to focus on coursework. Coursework that, from Diana's perspective, was rather elementary and easy, as long as one properly studied for them. After all, most students intended to go directly into industry after their bachelor's degree rather than academia, so courses were usually designed to reflect this. A master's degree, however, was different. Students studying for a master's were more geared for academia, hence lecturers tended to be more liberal with delivering much more difficult and technical course materials. Naturally, this meant that assessments were harder and more time-consuming. But more importantly, it is a research degree. This meant a year-long project and thesis. That in and of itself would already prove to be stressful, but combined with the more intensive coursework, Diana was truly being challenged. When Diana had arrived home that afternoon, she immediately got down to starting the assignment that was released earlier that day. This was a necessity, because if she didn't get her assignments out of the way as soon as possible, then she would have too little time to work on research later. After having worked on her nanomaterials assignment for a few hours, Diana had a small bite for dinner before switching focus to her research project. In their latest meeting, Croy had recommended her to analyze historical data regarding the fingerprinting of certain biomarkers associated with several classes of rare neurological diseases via a particularly interesting technique in the literature. Her supervisor had off-handedly suggested that perhaps some machine learning method could be used as a classification technique due to irregularities in the data, especially since the original researchers had been rather hand-wavy in explaining their own classification methodology. Diana knew Croy well enough to know that her suggestions really were synonymous with directives. Diana was by no means a data scientist, and Croy knew this. But being the rather sharp and pragmatic individual that Croy was, she also knew that Diana was moderately proficient in statistics and programming, and was enough of an autodidact to acquire a working knowledge of machine learning all on her own. So that was why Diana spent the next few hours fiddling around with her packages for artificial neural networks and random forests. While it had been somewhat of an interesting and informative experience, Diana couldn't help but feel the lack of time that she had. She supposed that part of it stemmed from how comfortable she had grown to being around Akko. Diana had gotten so used to not just spending time with Akko, but also consciously and subconsciously trying to fill up her day with as much Akko as she could get, that she could finally feel just how much of her time she was spending on work. This was a far cry from Diana's life before Akko, where she had nothing but work where she simply couldn't feel how busy she was, because that was all she had known. So Diana could not help, but feel a slight tinge of dissatisfaction, 
when she checked the time on her laptop after she felt like she did enough work for that evening and saw that it was nearly 11. She didn't think it would be too good of an idea to message Akko for a chat at this hour, since she'd only really be unnecessarily and selfishly holding Akko back from the sleep that she needs. Nevertheless, Diana took out her phone. 10.57 Diana, I apologize for being too busy tonight. Are you still awake? 10.58 Akko, yep. You better not be working RN otherwise I ma pay you a visit. 10.59 Diana, ha ha definitely not. Although a visit from you doesn't sound too bad. 10.59 Diana, anyway, I just wanted to wish you a good night. Sweet dreams, Akko. 11 o'clock Akko, you too Diana. 11 o'clock Akko, I'll see you tomorrow after your lectures. 11.01 Diana, I'll be a bit busy with research tomorrow, but the day after should be fine. 11.01 Akko, okay. See you then. Truth be told, Diana did not feel good after that short conversation with Akko over instant messages. In fact, she felt rather inadequate. Diana could not help but feel like she had failed Akko as a girlfriend by not having enough time for her in her busy week. But what could she really do about that? After all, what she was working on was important. It was pertinent to her future aspirations, ones which she had planned for ever since she could comprehend just how important her purpose was. And even if Diana overextended herself to spend more time with Akko in the week, she knew that Akko would feel like she was coming between Diana and her dream, and that would only serve to make Akko feel bad. And Diana didn't want to make Akko feel bad at all. She would never intend such a thing if she could help it. So for that reason, Diana was in a bit of a catch, 22. She wanted to spend more time with Akko, but if she put in the effort to do so, Akko would feel like a burden and thus terrible, so therefore Diana should just go about her busy day as usual. But of course, Akko was never a burden. Diana didn't feel that way. Sure, making time for Akko meant that she would need to overwork, more than she already was, to keep her productivity at a level that was considered sustainable for finishing her master's program with high distinction. But regardless, Akko was always welcome. The time that Diana spent with her would always feel heavenly. A sanctuary where she could forget about the pressure and stress associated with being Diana Cavendish and just be Diana. And so Diana needed something more than just feeling like she was disappointing Akko with her lack of time. She needed to know that she could show Akko just how much she loved her. Perhaps not now, but in the future. She needed a silver lining at the end of the tunnel. Diana knew that they both did. This got Diana thinking. What could she possibly do to show Akko her appreciation of how considerate that her girlfriend was? To give Akko something special. Something that she really wanted. A gift, perhaps. But Akko was truly a simple girl, and Diana knew that. It wasn't derogatory in any sense, in fact, Akko's appreciation for the small things in life was one of the things that Diana found attractive about Akko. That she was a girl who could see beauty and value everywhere. 
So Diana knew that if she had asked Akko what she wanted in order to be happy, Akko would either answer with that she already was happy by virtue of being in a relationship with Diana, or that she would be happy if she could spend more time with her, or that she would be happy as long as Diana was. But Diana wanted more than that. She wanted to go out of her way to do something special for Akko. Akko wanted to spend time with her. That much was clear. And of course, Diana wanted to spend more time with her girlfriend as well. Ideas and suggestions spawned in her mind, and were often shot down by herself for being too cheesy or sappy. But there was one idea that stuck with Diana. One vivid scene in her mind that she just couldn't shake. Walking along a beautiful lake, a lake that was crystal clear, whose beauty is accentuated by the picturesque landscapes in the distance. With Akko, as she smiles and laughs and takes in the beautiful scene with Diana. Diana was moved by the imagery. Even imagining what it would be like made her heart race with excitement and yearning. It would be perfect. Diana wanted to go traveling with Akko. And she had just the place in mind. New Zealand. Queenstown, in particular. She had heard about how beautiful Lake Wakatipu was from some acquaintances that she had known through nobility. Strangely enough, unlike most conversations that Diana would have with other people from the aristocracy, those who spoke about the lake did so with a sincerity that she seldom found in such social settings. She had been curious enough to look up photos of the lake on the internet. And God, it looked mesmerizing. Diana didn't think there would be any other lake that would captivate her like Lake Wakatipu. Diana had entertained the idea of visiting New Zealand on her own before. She would invite her two best friends, but Diana doubted that they'd appreciate the same things as she did, and that she was sure they'd be more interested in shopping districts. But what if she visited New Zealand with Akko? Diana didn't think she could think of anything in the world that she would like to do more at this point. Two weeks with Akko in one of the most beautiful countries in the world, where they were free of any and all obligations that came with their lives, and just be free to be themselves and spend time with one another. It seemed almost too good to be true that something like this could very well happen in the future. Perhaps they could go after their final exams at the end of the year. Diana felt giddy just from thinking about it. And so after nearly half an hour of checking dates, and coming up with vague ideas of where their trip to New Zealand might take them, Diana booked two return tickets to Queensland Airport via Air New Zealand in December. Diana couldn't help her goofy smile as she pictured how Akko would react when she would surprise her with the tickets. It was Friday. Usually, Diana would reserve Friday evenings for Akko. But today was different. Croy had invited her to dinner. That was new for Diana. Croy usually didn't go out of her way to socialize with her research students outside of work. That fact wasn't something that Diana regretted, as she could appreciate people who were straight to the point and pragmatic. Croy would have made a terrible aristocrat, but thankfully the honest woman had no such aspirations. The dinner was booked at six. It probably wouldn't go on for more than an hour, so Diana had asked Akko whether she wanted to do something afterwards. 
However, Akko had offered to instead hang out the day after, since they both had assignments due, and she knew that Diana would appreciate the extra time to triple-check her assignment submission. So after working for a couple of hours, after she returned home that afternoon, Diana left for dinner. She settled for a tasteful blouse and grey trousers. Croy wasn't someone who particularly cared about elegance, but Diana figured that a business casual was appropriate for the restaurant that they were going to. That was not to say that Croy didn't have a sense of style. For an academic, lilac hair, sleeves and crimson boots were rather unusual. But that was just Croy's aesthetic. Never caring about how others might perceive her as long as she felt like herself. An admirable quality in Diana's eyes, one that she could recognize in Akko. Diana decided to take the train to the CBD and walk. She had a driver's license, but no car. Of course she could afford one, but she couldn't see the point when she lived near the campus. And when she needed to visit the busier areas of the city, well, it was a city, so driving would only serve to frustrate. Her walk to the train station took no more than 10 minutes, and her train ride was even shorter than that. The waiting time was practically non-existent due to the high frequency of trains that passed by her station to reach the heart of Blytonbury. Diana got off her train at Town Hall Station. She abhorred this underground station. It was bad enough that the station was crowded during most hours of the day, but worst of all, it always felt obscenely hot and stuffy. She would often try to formulate conjectures as to why the station had such poor ventilation. Perhaps it was because it was very old. Perhaps it was due to the high traffic of people and trains. Or maybe the fact that almost every railway eventually led to this station, so it would be difficult to temporarily reduce capacity or shut down altogether in order to make renovations and upgrades. But no amount of conjecturing was going to change the unfortunate reality that Town Hall Station felt like hellfire to walk through. Had Diana left 20 minutes earlier, she would have been tempted to take her train to Central Station and just walk to Town Hall. That would have been immeasurably more pleasant in her mind. With the aid of the navigation app on her phone, it only took her another 10 minutes or so to reach her destination. An Italian restaurant that was rather difficult to spot from the street. In fact, on the street that Diana had to turn into, the side of the building was lined with fire exits. The only indication that there is an Italian restaurant here was the sign above the only opened fire exit that had an Italian name on it. Really, the poor location of the entrance to the restaurant was a positive in Diana's mind, because the adjacent city blocks were populated by tall buildings that housed corporate offices. A slightly better locale would have guaranteed that the restaurant would be full at this hour every weekday. But as Diana walked up the stairs past the fire exit, a fire entrance, she understood the gimmick of the place immediately. It was a restaurant and bar that wanted to be cosy. The dining room was smaller compared to most restaurants in the area and the atmosphere was very much intimate. The owners had clearly chosen the location with intent. Diana raised an eyebrow at a sign behind the concierge, which said, no phones in dining room. Well, this is a first, Diana thought as she put her phone into her pocket. She had only brought her phone and house key to this outing. Good evening miss, 
Do you have a reservation? The well-dressed concierge asked. I do. I believe the reservation is under Croy. Ah, of course. May I inquire as to whether this is your first time here? He asked. Diana smiled. Indeed it is. We provide a dining experience that is intended to be intimate. For that reason, we ask for your phone to be either silent or turned off and any calls to be made outside the dining room. I'm happy to say that my phone is on silent already, Diana said. Excellent. Right this way, miss. The concierge led Diana to a table at a corner where a familiar lilac-haired woman sat, nursing a drink. Judging by its color, something with coke. Probably whiskey. So, Croy started as Diana sat down, how do you like this place? Diana took in her surroundings. The walls were decorated by small paintings, photographs, plates and lights, which sat in front of a cream-colored layer of paint. The ceiling was arched by arrays of bricks. Diana could hear soft conversations taking place in the room between the other patrons, but the noise level was almost non-existent compared to the more popular restaurants and bars that her flatmates often frequented. It's rather intimate. Very comfortable, I must say. Yes. Very romantic. I mean just look at these candles. Croy gestured to the couple of candles that sat on their table. One tall, and one small that sat inside a glass jar. Do you come here often? Diana asked. From time to time. Why don't you order a drink first? Everything tonight's on me, Croy said as she handed Diana the drinks menu. No please, I can play for. We're having none of that. I'm covering for tonight, and that's final," Croy said nonchalantly before taking a sip of her drink. Diana understood the social etiquette of accepting having her meal paid for. Although she still felt a little strange. A part of her wondered if this was how Akko felt whenever she insisted on paying for her. She thanked Croy regardless. Then I'll have the, Diana squinted at the name of the vodka-based cocktail, not tonight, honey. Croy looked amused. Perhaps at how awkwardly Diana had uttered the name of the drink. That's a classic. It's nice and fruity, but it could do with a little more vodka, in my opinion. Diana watched with mild interest as she saw Croy down the remaining third of her drink and signaled for the waiter. She ordered Diana's drink and a margarita for herself. Croy had also suggested to Diana that they might as well order food so Diana settled for a fancy pasta with the help of her Italian supervisor, while Croy settled for a steak meal with garlic bread. Once the waiter left, Croy spoke. I found this little hidden gem about a couple of years after I started my postdoc here. Their food is pretty good. But most of all, it's romantic. Chariot loved this place when I first took her here on a date a long time ago. It was the first time that Croy mentioned Chariot in front of Diana. They both knew who the other dated at this point, but there hadn't been a reason to bring that up until now. Perhaps I should bring Akko here sometime. You absolutely should, Croy replied with a smirk. It made up for my lack of charisma and romance and got me the girl. Diana chuckled. 
She appreciated Croy's dry wit. After a little more small talk, their drinks arrived. She took a sip of her not tonight, honey. Croy was right, it was very fruity. Very sweet. Diana could barely taste the vodka. Um, yep, Croy said after taking a sip of her margarita. This hits the spot. Anyway, I figured that we could use a casual catch-up that didn't involve work, and I thought, why not take you somewhere nice? You're a hell of a worker, Diana. The work you've done with me has been outstanding, and what I would expect from PhD students and postgraduate researchers. After all, you have a paper with me that's being peer-reviewed by a good journal as we speak. You should feel proud. Croy smiled. I'm proud of you. Diana felt strangely affected by Croy's words. It was one thing to know that she had done well, that she was getting closer and closer to her dream, but it was something else entirely to hear it validated by someone else. Someone who Diana respected and even admired. Apart from Akko, Diana was unsure of the last time that someone's praise had touched her like this. Thank you. It means a lot to hear that. I'm happy to be working under your supervision. No, Diana. Not working under. Working with, Croy corrected. You're someone with initiative. I'm only really here to guide you in the right direction. Everything else is really just you. She took another sip of her margarita. Diana didn't know what to say to that. So she too took a sip of her not tonight, honey. If you're interested in a PhD here, my door will always be open for you. I would be honored to take you on as a PhD student, Croy offered. I appreciate it. I'll definitely consider it when the time comes, Diana said. Croy didn't look disappointed at all with the lack of an unambiguously positive response from her student. Of course, a top-notch researcher like yourself would be interested in potentially going overseas for a PhD program. That has certainly crossed my mind, although I haven't made any decisions yet. Croy smiled almost nostalgically. You remind me so much of myself when I was younger. There's so much to consider. But if you want exposure to the most cutting-edge research and work with the best of the best, a PhD program in the States is where you'd want to go. Many of the research groups there are leaders in the field. Nothing Croy had suggested was new information to Diana. At this point, Diana could name which US universities were the best for which areas of research in the biomedical field. She had been postponing making a decision on where she should go for her PhD program, but she would be dishonest if her answer was anything less than the US, most likely. Croy continued. Getting into the top universities there is very competitive. You'd usually want to have at least two or three first author publications in top journals or conferences before applying with confidence. I could help you, Diana. But it's a lot of work on your part, plus you'd still have to ace your master's coursework and thesis as well. With that in mind, is this something you want to pursue? At that moment, the waiter returned with their orders. The timing was fortunate, because Diana didn't know what to say. She didn't even know what to feel. 
Croy didn't push her further on this as they began eating and exchanging the occasional small talk. Diana felt the overwhelming desire to go home and be alone. She could barely taste her food as her thoughts were on someone else, 